Hey, this is Gary Parish again from CBS Sports. It's now Monday, November 30th, and this is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined, as usual, by uh, my colleagues Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini, and we got a lot to get to today. Fun weekend of college basketball. Um, wanted to start, though, I think. Sam, are you awake? You were uh, up late last night, I know, at the Wooden Legacy, right? I was. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we, had a, we had a nice game with Michigan State and Providence, where Michigan State kind of pulled away late. Uh, ruined the drunk bet absolutely ruined it like when you get plus eight providence as your drunk bet and you're up i think they were up like what they were up four with like six minutes left or something they were up they were up they were ahead with 540 left right okay so that means you basically got you know you're supposed to you're supposed to cover that very disappointed in providence not being able to cover the drunk bet yeah, I mean, they, they kind of fell apart a little bit at the end. Michigan State turned up the defense. Uh, and then free throws at the end killed you. Ed Cooley fouled uh, pretty heavily at the end, even when the game was out of reach. So that'll always kill a drunk bet uh, whenever just coaches decide to foul a little bit more whenever the game is past its, uh, whenever the game has run its course, I would say. So, uh, yeah, it was a really fun event this year. I think it was actually the strongest event out of all of these early season tournaments. You had, uh, you know, high-end teams like Michigan State. You had some uh, question marks, I guess I would say, in Arizona and Providence. Uh, You know, Arizona came in with a number 11 ranking in the country and then ended up losing to Providence uh, on Friday night in a really fun game. Uh, But... uh, Then you had teams like Boise State, Evansville, uh, a lot of those like uh, UC Irvine, like mid-major-ish teams that could make NCAA tournament runs by the time the uh, year ends. So that was a really fun field. It was a really strong field. Uh, A lot of good teams, and Michigan State came out on top again. And Michigan State has pretty clearly got the best resume in the country right now. I mean, they've proven the most. They've beaten Kansas, who went down and won Maui. Uh, They have beaten now Providence and Boise State, both of whom, in my opinion, will be NCAA tournament teams. Um, I, I'm very impressed with what I have seen from Michigan State. I'm very impressed with watching them up close for two days this weekend. Well, so uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Well, whether the Wood Legacy was the best tournament or not, you certainly got the best matchup uh, in terms of a title game. And not just because it was Providence-Michigan State, like whatever. Is that even better than Xavier Dayton? I know the final score was closer. The game was more competitive. But sure. uh, on paper, whatever. But And this is not something we could have predicted even three weeks ago, which is what made it great. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a game, but in you know, in you know, uh, on national television on Sunday night, overshadowed by the NFL and the Patriots, Broncos, of course. But for college basketball fans, it was big uh, between two legitimate national player of the year candidates. If not, you know, at this point, based on what they've done this season, uh, the two leading national player of the year candidates, yeah. of course, Denzel Valentine at Michigan State and Chris Dunn at uh providence norlander were you able to with the baby and all uh, mm. watch any of it yeah i watched i was actually able to watch a lot we we've had a kind of a ton happen in college troops since we last spoke and there's a ton to get to i was super psyched for the valentine dunn show but obviously foul trouble prevented that from being all that it could have been obviously it was actually also interesting in that kobe announced his retirement and Magic Johnson was on hand at that game. Obviously, Magic, the biggest Laker legend ever. Uh, and then there for, um, to see Denzel in Michigan State. So it was this weird convergence of basketball news that we saw happen on Sunday. And Kobe's thing actually kind of took over the world. And I also briefly thought, I was like, wow, I don't know how many more. We'll have LeBron. 
We'll have Kevin Garnett when he retires, but we we're you know we're not going to have too many guys who didn't go to college, who didn't play college basketball, right. but are these huge college basketball mm-hmm. or huge uh, pro basketball icons. Um, but I, I found that pretty interesting overall. In terms of the the big picture from the weekend, I just want to let me blab for a few minutes here, and then you guys can take it where you want to take it. Uh, I just want to hit on a few things. One, Wichita State. Uh, we had mentioned briefly on last week's podcast that you know they, it wouldn't be good if they went one and two for the resume. Well, they go zero and three. They're the first team ever, ever to be ranked in the AP poll and lose four games as a ranked team in the month of November. No one's ever done that. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet's dealing with you know dual injuries um, with the hamstring and with an ankle. He should be back this week. Anton Grady took a really bizarre and awkward bump collision that he fell to the floor he didn't necessarily look like he was moving at first but he was taken away on a stretcher he has since recovered he flew home with the team he should be good um just a spinal uh contusion overall but it was it was definitely one of those freaky plays and you worried for the worst for a for a few there so wichita state is just they're in a hole they get utah this week it's it's a huge huge game and they also get unlv utah might be next week i don't have their schedule in front of me but overall wichita state Going 0 for 3 in that tournament was um, was a big newsmaker overall. Xavier being really, really good. I mean, GP bumped them up uh, rightfully to number 12 overall. Xavier is 7-0. and The only team that can match that in terms of undefeated marks right now are Michigan State and Cincinnati, who is also 7-0. They've been really, really good. As I said last week, we this was a, a big week to just learn a little bit more about a number of teams and... Man, oh man, I mean, Xavier looks really good. And the interesting thing about that is last year it was a team that relied on Matt Stainbrook so much. And yet they lose him. And like we knew Jalen Reynolds was going to be good, but I think he's been even a little bit better than expected. And for, for that team to be as deep as it's become, I mean, it's not just Reynolds and Blewett. They've got a lot of options overall, and they can score in a lot of different ways. It's really impressive overall. So Xavier was a team that stuck out to me. And then I want to mention that Syracuse – they won the battle for Atlantis after Gonzaga and UConn didn't. They actually ended up playing in the consolation game, and UConn goes one and two, but they still look really good to me. That's why these tournaments can be so weird because you'll have teams sometimes will go one and two, but not maybe not necessarily worse for the wear. Meanwhile, Q's, I would say they're the team I was most wrong about. I mean, I would have considered them beginning the season ultimate bubble team, maybe get to Dayton uh, in or out, but right now, undeniably, they've looked fantastic. Uh, they, I mean. Benajay has been solid. Cooney has been better than I even thought he would be, and I know he's really good. But the breakout star—I mean, honestly—who would have who would have expected that Tyler Lydon would be as good as he's been? Right? He's been just absolutely. Well, the answer is nobody. The answer to that question is nobody. Nobody, right? And that's what makes the season fun. Is because listen, we can. I know the recruiting dudes know who Tyler Lydon is to to a certain extent, but no one expected or knew who this kid was, and he looks like freaking fantastic like could be their best player by the end of the year over ben and jay in my opinion so those were a few things that stood out also cal dropped two in a row not exactly great for them you know they lost to san diego state they gave up like a 30 to 5 run or something like that and then richmond just it was a close entertaining game but richmond carved him up and richmond might be a little bit better so that's kind of my broad takeaway from the weekend there's still a lot more that happened um, I know Sam wants to get to what Izzo did and all that stuff, but uh, but super interesting and, and definitely you know a few teams that have have their finger on the panic button to a certain extent, no doubt about it. Uh, Indiana as well. I think they've lost again since we recorded. I can't quite remember, but I think they were lost again after we uh, 
we posted in the last podcast. Well, uh, okay, a lot of stuff here. Um, Jeez, first, yeah, Matt. Yeah, I know. Sorry, just, guys. Like, you, I you, wanted you, to get – listen, I uh, wanted to get it all in. I'm sorry. We, we, we like, you just torpedoed the entire order of the podcast yeah, I like, had set up here. But, but whatever. It's fine. <laughs> here, let's take these things, uh, a couple of them. First, Syracuse, you're exactly right. Probably, um, from a positive perspective, the biggest surprise in the country from – some that that's a team that I would not have considered. I didn't consider ranking in the preseason. I now have them thirteenth uh, in in, in the top twenty five and and one. And listen, I, I get it. Like you know, you might go, God, are they really that good? This is sort of the way I take it early in the season. I don't try to, um, I don't know, uh, uh, rack my brain and and figure is somebody really good. I'll go, hey, listen, if you've beaten people that I think are really good. Then you then then that's fine. That's good enough for me. Maybe maybe uh, subsequently you'll prove that you you weren't the 13th best team in the country. But that's the great thing about ranking basketball teams every day. I can change just like literally within 24 hours of you changing. Uh, you know I I can change when you change. And you know right now they're sitting here six and zero. They've got um, a win over Connecticut and a win over Texas A and M. Those are two teams that I also have ranked obviously below Syracuse now. So uh, 13th in, in, in the country and, uh, and really, really playing well. Uh, Xavier, you mentioned they were terrific. They've got six double-digit wins out of their seven. Uh, a 16-point win at Michigan, which is really uh, impressive. Uh, a 29-point win over a previously undefeated Dayton team, which is re- you know, really impressive. Um, I've got them ranked uh, 12th. So Xavier mm-hmm. and Syracuse have gone from unranked in the preseason to 12th and 13th. Uh, in in the top twenty five and one with Wichita State, I, th- I think it's pretty clear now based on the schedule. You mentioned that Utah game; it's actually December twelfth. They get you and I twice, and those will be you know quality games. Seton Hall's on their schedule, and that might actually be a quality game, given that Seton Hall's already owns wins over two SEC schools. Um, Evansville isn't bad; uh, they're five and one with a lone loss to Providence. Um, but I, I, my guess would be at this point, we're going to enter the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament with Wichita needing uh, the automatic bid to get to the NCAA tournament. There's just, um, you know, the, the committee can can look at and will look at your rosters and the health of that roster, you know, when you played, you know, games. So these games that were played down at Disney World without Fred Van Vliet, that'll be considered. But they can't give you quality wins where you don't have them. They 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 can. They can take into account why you lost games you lost, but they can't, inv- you know, they can't create a quality win for you. And if you don't have them, you're not getting an at-large bid. And so uh, it's just crazy to think it's, you know, it's still November, and we we basically, you know, barring, you know, them just running the table or something, um, they're probably going to have to a team with Ron Baker, Fred VanVleet. And Greg Marshall coaching is probably going to need an auto bid, and we kind of know that in November. I mean, Sam, do you see a, a way where that's not true? I mean, I, I recognize that there is a way where that's not true, but it seems like the likely scenario is right now they're going to need to go to St. Louis and win games or, or else. Yeah, the margin for error is nothing right now. I mean, they have to beat UNLV, Seton Hall, and Utah. Um, they have to probably go 16-2 and two or 17-1 and one in the Missouri Valley, in my opinion. If they win those three games... I win those three games and they go 16 to in the Valley, they will get in that large bid if they lose, personally. See, how, many, uh, how many losses I, I are we looking think, at there? I mean, that's what, a, a five, four, six it's loss? It's a five-loss team, or a six-loss team, yeah. And I think that that might get it done. I think it probably would, to be honest. But you have to remember, this Wichita State team is a team that hasn't necessarily gotten the most 
respect from the committee over the last two years. I mean, they were begrudgingly, in my opinion, named a number one overall seed uh, and put in the toughest region uh, that I think we've ever seen, really, uh, in that Kentucky region whenever they had the great game against the Wildcats. And then last year, uh, they were like the number 10 team in the AP poll going into the going into Selection Sunday and they ended up with a seven seed. So I wonder how much respect the committee has for this group. Um, if they do end up losing six games this year or something along those lines, I think there will be an argument, but I'm mostly with Gary here. I think that the margin for error is nothing. And the most likely scenario is they're going to have to win the Missouri Valley to get in. Um, uh, as far as some other teams, yeah. Uh, like, well, again, we, we talked about ahead. this last week, like the committee once upon a time, and I know every year is different, blah, blah, blah. But they left a 25-win Steph Curry team out because yeah. it didn't have quality wins. Like they, they won't hesitate to leave Ron Baker and Fred Van Bleed out. They left Steph Curry out of the tournament because of a lack of, of quality wins. That, that they, uh, Which I commend them for. I mean, there's, there's a certain argument to say that's stupid. You should want star power and, and people. But honestly, I do feel like the committee does its best job, does as good of a job as it possibly can when it comes to let's evaluate and truly getting the best teams in regardless of who might be on the team or the, or the name attached to the jersey. I generally think that they do a, a pretty honest job when it comes to I, I think they – yeah, but I think the system's flawed. We got into this last year when it, uh, as it pertained to Murray State. Like, how do you know Murray State's not one of the best teams in the country? Like, they – based on nothing more than league affiliation and um, a resistance from Power 5 schools – to allow them to be in some of these like wooden legacy tournaments or mm-hmm. advocate invitationals, like because they took some uh, losses early when they were unhealthy and adjusting to you know a new uh, rotation, um, they 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 basically it was exactly like Wichita State, you know they they by December first it was clear that they weren't gonna it didn't matter what they did going forward they weren't gonna be able to get in. Now it's not exactly like Wichita State because Wichita State I think we. There is a there is a path for the Shockers, um, a difficult one, but at least one existed. For Murray State, there wasn't one that existed. They, there was nothing they could have done post December one to get into to get an at large bid to the NCAA tournament. And so I know it's difficult to evaluate teams um, that play in the so called mid major leagues or or even low major leagues. I get it, but I do think it's unfortunate when you just decide um, that a team couldn't possibly be one of the best teams in the country based off its lack of quality wins without recognizing it's not so much that they they don't have quality wins as much as they didn't have opportunities to get quality wins after December 1st like that they just they didn't they didn't exist I, so I, that that's a to me a fundamental flaw with the selection process but um you know it, there's no easy solution to it if that makes sense yeah no i agree with that uh to move on to some of the other 45 subjects that Matt it, uh, in that, I little... got plenty more in the holster, but I'm holding back. I, I am sure that you do. Um, uh, Xavier, I would say, is probably one of the most impressive teams, maybe the most impressive team that I've seen so far this year, uh, as far as preseason expectations versus what they actually are. That that team is terrific. They're deep. They're talented. Uh, Edmund Sumner, uh, whoever that guy is, I didn't know anything <laughs> about him coming into the year. Uh, I'll say that I will fully admit that like Tyler Lydon, I had a pretty decent grasp on like for Syracuse and Malachi Richardson. Like I thought those guys would be legitimate impact players 
for Syracuse. But Edmund Sumner is a guy that I had no expectations for whatsoever. And he's, he's been awesome. He's averaging like 11 points a game. He's been great next to Trevon Blewett, who's leading that team in scoring. Uh, Jalen Reynolds has been, it's funny that Matt says like, he's been a little bit better than he expected. I think that Reynolds is a little bit worse than I expected this year. I kind of thought that he would totally blossom into this absolute monster inside. Uh, and it hasn't really happened yet because he's still struggling with foul trouble and with adjusting to the physicality of the game and uh, having to try to avoid uh, those fouls at some point. But this is this is just an awesome experienced team that uh, I think is going to be there for the long haul. I don't know if they'll be able to challenge Villanova necessarily, but uh, they're the second best team in the Big East to me right now. Um, and that's shaping up to be a stronger league now that we have Xavier that looks really good, Providence that looks uh, better than we expected right. because of uh, Chris Dunn being awesome, obviously, but the guys around him, Rodney Bullock has stepped up in a way that was kind of expected uh, this offseason. But Ben Bentel, uh, their center, has been awesome yeah. this year. Um, he is uh, like six foot nine bruiser who can rebound inside, but then also step away and shoot threes. Uh, he is their clear second best player, and he's a guy that, I, I mean, maybe a couple years down the road might even get NBA looks. Like he's a really, really good player that uh, deserves a lot more credit nationally. Um, as far as Cal, that's a situation that I, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, Quanzo Martin time, Sam, I just, I'm not, I'm not necessarily fretting over that. They didn't lose to terrible teams. I mean, the runs were, were bad. I'll let you, you give up on. 94 points to that Richmond team. I, I know, mean, but like, yeah, but Rooney's like, Martin's a defensive guy like that. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. Richmond, you know, they, but you know, I don't know. It might've been, that's a, not, that's not a thing. That's not a clinic. shot at Richmond at yeah, all. Yeah, No, like, absolutely not. Yeah. Richmond's a solid team that will be like a borderline NCAA tournament, like NIT team, but 94 points on a neutral floor. I mean, you, you give up 75 to San Diego state. That's almost as bad as giving up 94 to Richmond. Sure. Like what, what are your, what's going on there with the defense? I guess is my question. Um, I'll have to watch them a little bit more, but th that scares me a little bit. Uh, so we'll see what's going on with Cal uh, going forward. Do we have, what, what other subjects do we have? Well, I, I think one out there that's uh, I wrote about it yesterday, Wisconsin, right? They're sitting here now. Um, they've already got three losses, and the losses are to Western Illinois, Georgetown, and uh, they got blown out at Oklahoma yesterday. Um, they already have two double-digit losses uh, just uh, for, uh, you know, just sort of line it up as it relates to last year. Uh, they didn't take their third loss, I believe, till February 24th. Um, mm -hmm. Now they already have three. Uh, you know, it's November 30th. They uh, already have two double-digit losses. They only had one double-digit loss all last season. It was a December loss um, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge uh, to the eventual national champion, Duke Blue Devils, and it was a, like I think it was 80-70. It was a 10-point loss. So they didn't lose a game by more than 10, and they only lost one by double digits. They already got two this season. Um, I mean, listen, it, 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 you don't have to be uh, – the best college basketball analyst in the world to understand what's happened here. They lost three NBA players and two senior guards. And when you don't replace them with impactful freshmen or transfers, um, I, this, I guess this is the deal, right? But the, the only thing that makes it slightly surprising, like it wouldn't be surprising literally, like basically if it were anybody else, but like you just assume Bo Ryan would figure it out. Like, you know, because yeah. he always does. And yet um, Kim Palm now projects them to finish 18 and 13 overall. Um, nine and nine in the Big Ten. I, that that's actually seventh in the Big Ten according to those projections. I, I think most people who listen to college basketball podcasts know, especially this one, as much as we talked about it over the years. 
Um, you know, Bo's never finished outside of the top four of the Big Ten, and um, he's never had a nine-loss Big Ten season. And yet, on you know, according to the the projections, that's where they're headed. Um, Norlander, I'll ask you: Do you see any reason to think, other than like they have a a you know a borderline Hall of Fame coach, a guy who might be a Hall of Famer someday? Um, and so, like, he'll figure it out. Other than that, the just trust Bo Ryan. Uh, do you see a reason this is gonna uh, this is gonna be different for them? I'm only gonna trust Bo Ryan. They're 37th in Kempom right now. I honestly don't know, and I don't know if Ken would know. But I, I when was the last time Wisconsin was that low in his rankings? Mm. Um, they're never this low. They're perennially top 20, even top 10. Yeah, they're the team uh, that's like top 10 when people when they shouldn't, you know. Right, when it doesn't even look like they should be. Right. Uh, for sure. And now the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge, which I'm sure we're going to get to, their game is at Syracuse, which Fun. now looks like a game that's going to be really, really tough for them to win. So you could be looking at a 4-4 four and four Wisconsin team. And with that, um, the remaining games will be home to Temple for non-con. Home to Temple, home to Milwaukee, home to Marquette home to Corpus Christi, home to Green Bay. They'd have to run the table there and, in my opinion, finish above 500 in the Big Ten to have a decent chance at a bubble at a bubble situation because the Big Ten naturally is going to – it'll provide at least five at-large teams, I would think, going forward. But even the Big Ten right now is just a little bit shakier than we might have thought overall. I do. I, I will say the top. Say, the top of the Big Ten looks strong, though, doesn't it? Yes, like, but then like, like Mar- two, yeah. I mean, well, well, well like Maryland. Racing, I don't know. That, yes. I don't know that Maryland has has blown anybody away, right? I mean, they, they've been they're undefeated, but they've been in some games that probably shouldn't be games if you're ranked second in the country or third in the country, whatever they're ranked. Um, sure. But Michigan State looks better than any of us thought, and mm-hmm. Purdue is beating the crap out of everybody. Like, I mean, Purdue looks good. It looks really good. I think those um, top three are like strong, and then like if you can get Indiana to figure out something, or right, but um, that's the whole Michigan point. to figure out something, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, it, then you could have a fourth. A Illinois fourth has just team. been brutal. Ohio State's been really rough. Ooh, uh, Iowa has been uh, maybe ex- what you about what you would expect, but overall, I mean, it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying maybe it's just a smidge below what we expected. I it's will not as say, deep as I expected. Yeah, I would say, okay, so it's November 30th. I'll say right now, uh, you know, gun to my head, I will say Wisconsin makes the tournament. Um, but that's like a 51-49 kind of decision. It is weird to see this team so out of sorts. It's not really reliable defensively. I mean, I watched some of that Oklahoma game, and I'll be I'll be frank with you. I mean, GP called me um, right near halftime, I guess it was yesterday. I was about I was about done with it. <laughs> I was like, I can't really watch this. I mean, Oklahoma's fun to watch. I love Buddy, and that's a, that's a legitimate team right there. But Wisconsin... They just got to get their their ducks in a row here and get things in order. It could be a little rough going forward. I don't know oh. that they have ducks. Like that might be the problem. They don't. They might not have ducks. They don't have ducks. Yeah. That's, so, uh, well, like Hap, Ethan Hap should be like in two years. I think Ethan Hap is going to be a kind of player that really blossoms into something. I just don't expect him to be as good as he needs to be this year. Vito Brown is probably not going to be as good as they need him to be. Um, and Nigel Hayes overall <laughs> been good, not great. I mean, he can't shoot to the level that they need him to shoot. I think that's one of the biggest problems is he's not keeping defenses honest in any sort of way, nor does, nor should he, to be honest. He just, he's not offensively as polished as Wisconsin needs him to be to help that offense. We, we might find out that he was always better suited to be the other guy as opposed to the guy, right? No, I think that's right. Uh, the offense isn't what I'm worried about though. Oh, like, no, they're, I, they're not I guarding at all. They're not guarding. Fine. Yeah. They're not they're, guarding at all. Um, the defense right now, if you look at, 
their just raw defensive rating, not the adjusted Ken Palm number, which still accounts for a little bit for last season. Their raw defensive rating, which is like points per 100 possessions, they're giving up 104.7. That is 201st in the country. Um, that is a number that I think is probably unfathomable to any Bo Ryan coach team. And that's kind of where I think this team has growth. Like, I don't think that that number will stick just knowing what we know about Bo Ryan being able to coach up a defense. Uh, like everyone thinks of Bo Ryan as this incredible offensive coach. Uh, and, and he is, I mean, that swing offense is remarkable, but you know, he's really also been an incredible defensive coach for the last, you know, I guess three decades, but at least we've seen it for the last decade and a half, uh, on the major college basketball circuit. Uh, his defenses have never finished outside of the top 55, according to Ken Palm. And right now, uh, like I said, that, that number is way too low. And I think that that defense is going to rebound a bit to where I think there's still room for growth here to where this team that we're seeing right now in November isn't the team that we're going to see in January and February, like, you know, all teams around the country, but particularly with Wisconsin, I think that their marginal room for growth is higher than most other teams because I just expect them to improve defensively. Um, yeah, you know, I, I still just wonder, like, uh, you know, listen, the defense is a problem. They'll get better, right? You know, Bo Ryan's still the coach, but right. can they get good enough? Like, that's that's what I would be concerned about. Like, can they get good enough? Because I think everybody knows they lost Kaminsky-Decker, right? They also lost a third NBA player. Like, I don't know that uh, that the actual college basketball fan understands that. And then they lost two senior guards on top of that. Like, you know, Mark Few was fretting all preseason about, God, we lost two senior guards. Well, like, So, like, when you do – even if you uh, – return like great front court players you lose two senior guards like that's tough that's what happened to wisconsin mm -hmm. and then if you lose pros that's tough that's also what happened to wisconsin and they didn't you know they didn't bring in a kentucky class or a duke class um you know they brought in a typical wisconsin class which is typically players that need to be developed and um mm -hmm. yeah i i think the only thing go there's two things going for wisconsin right now one is both still the coach two um I do think that outside of maybe the top three in the Big Ten, who scares you, right? Yeah, um, yeah. That like that might that might be their like if you were in the ACC, North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Louisville looks good. Um, there's a lot of like you know high quality teams that you might just not be able to get past. But in the Big Ten, outside of maybe the just the top three, like who really scares you? But other than that, like um, uh, that, I think that would be my hashtag quote for the podcast. <laughs> they I, they might not have ducks. Like here's <laughs> here's the thing I think I actually told Yahoo's Jeff Eisenberg about this. We were sitting next to each other at Wooden yesterday whenever this whole Wisconsin thing was going down. Um, I think that I actually kind of trust this Wisconsin team a little bit more than I even trust Michigan right now. I know that they're a worse team than Michigan right now, but I haven't seen anything from Michigan this season. And it's basically the same roster as last season uh, to where I think they're a markedly different team. You know, like this Wisconsin team at least has like the idea of variance going for it where we don't have enough of a sample size on these kids and maybe they'll improve throughout the year. Like Michigan just doesn't look good to me like that. That seems like more of a fatally flawed roster uh, and more of a certainly fatally flawed roster than this Wisconsin team is, I guess I would say. I think there's something to that. Um, they don't. But Michigan, I don't know. For the past couple of years, I've never been huge on. Their personnel, and I've been a little lower on Levert than most. Um, 
Like, I even like Karis LeVert a lot. I, I just don't know yeah, where yeah. they're going to get the size inside. I don't know uh, that Derek Walton and Zach Irvin have taken those necessary, like, necessary next leaps. Um, it, yeah. It's just hard for me to see where uh, that team improves inside and, like, with their actual, like, known weaknesses. I think I think there's something to that. I would, I'll say this, okay, as we kind of wrap up the Big Ten portion here. I like Wisconsin long-term more this season than Michigan by a little bit, but I think both of those teams are the two primary candidates to be uh, perpetually on the bubble as we get you know, into 2016 and, and into February and March. I think they'll both be in a situation where you know, we, ne- we never feel comfortable putting them out above it, like a 10-seat or whatever, and they could take on bad losses that really put them in some mm-hmm. serious issues. Uh, yeah, like Michigan right now is shooting 45% from three, like have an insane steal percentage, like have th- their numbers on offense look more unsustainable than uh, you would expect, even for John Beeline standards. Like their shooting probably, just looks a little bit unsustainable to me. I would think they're going to lose Tuesday at NC State ACC Big Ten Challenge. You know, that's uh, I think that's tough a tough place to play. Game. Tough yeah. place to play. I actually think NC State will get better as the year goes along. They haven't wowed. But I would think uh, I would think they'll lose overall that challenge. By the way, I mean the big one was supposed to be Indiana at Duke, but now it's it's weird, right, GP? Because there is like normally, all right. So you got Maryland UNC, which is the huge one, right? That's awesome. Marcus Page is supposed to play for it, and we can get to that. But normally, this usually gives us like two really good ones, if not three really good ones. But overall, like. Virginia and Ohio State, not that intriguing overall. Like may, maybe Ohio State can pull out a win at home there. They they definitely need it. Um, Nebraska hosts Miami. That's kind of blah. Purdue at Pitt. We'll see. But I actually like Purdue to get that one on the road. Louisville at Michigan State. I'm still. That's probably the second best game right now. I, I guess, but I tell you, I'm still game. I'm still down on Louisville overall. I know you put in 25th GP. Uh, I think Michigan, I think Michigan State's going to win that game by 15 points. Personally. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Okay, well let's let's transition here into uh, Louisville because they are five and zero. Oh. Um, you know, the, I believe it's five double digit wins. Uh, they're guarding at a high level. I think they're top ten defensive efficiency. They're unranked in the AP poll as of like we're speaking. That's going to be updated later today. Um, mm-hmm. I have them in the top 25 and one, and have had them there for a few days. Uh, Rick Pitino, interesting. Uh, said that he believes that Louisville is unranked uh, because people are upset about the stripper scandal or some like it's something like that. Um, he basically tied the lack of a national ranking for his Louisville Cardinals to the off the court issues that plagued that program um, in in the preseason. Which listen, I I I, I love Rick Pitino. I I think he's terrific uh, for college basketball. Like he's um uh, he's it, 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 you know a Hall of Fame coach. But that, that's silly, right? I mean, you, you want to know why Louisville's not – as somebody who ranks teams every day, let me tell you why Louisville is unranked in the AP poll. Because when you start the season unranked, which they did everywhere, they were unranked everywhere in the preseason, um, it, it's very hard to, to become ranked without beating somebody who is ranked. Um, we don't typically just elevate – people don't typically just elevate uh, unranked teams into the rankings unless they beat somebody who was ranked at the time because – um, first off, a lot of spots don't open up because people don't play tough schedules early, and um, and, and secondly, the, you know when those teams that are ranked lose, they typically you know that, that's a quality win for somebody who was unranked, and so you mm-hmm. elevate them instead. Um, 
Louisville's five and zero, but has no wins over good teams. That's why Louisville's unranked. Like this is like it's not a conspiracy. It's not even hard to figure out. Like um, the the reason they're unranked, they they haven't been ranked this season in the AP and coaches poll is because they're they haven't played anybody. They played well, but they played well against nobody, and that's that's not typically the way you end up in the national rankings. Yeah, no, I mean. Their best win right now is over North Florida. Right. Um, North Florida might make the NCAA tournament. Like, that's a pretty decent team in the Atlantic Sun. Um, and that's the key there. Uh, their, their next best win is over St. Louis, who is going to be in the double digits in the Atlantic 10 this year. Um, and, yeah, they haven't beaten anybody. I know they've beaten everybody by, like, 20 points. But, yeah, I mean, and I'm even someone who is a lot more sold on this Louisville team than I was coming into the year. Um, D- Damian Lee and Quentin Snyder and that entire group, like the freshmen that they have right now, Spalding and Mitchell, uh, those guys all look really good to me like this looks like a very talented team and I think they are going to give Michigan State a little bit more of a test if only because uh once Michigan State plays that game against Louisville they will have played seven games in 15 days traveling like all across the country like they went to Wooden in California uh they had to go to the Champions Classic they had to go to uh a couple other places to play uh like in between so already by double digits you you think Spartan? Okay. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think that there's a bit of a letdown potential there for Michigan State, uh, but I still think they win. I just think it's going to be a little bit closer. Um, Louisville, to me, though, looks pretty decent, but you have to beat somebody to get in. Like right. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a, like when I read those comments from Rick, I was like, what? Like, um, you don't really believe that, do you? Like, like uh, trust yeah. me, it, it, um, if they win at Michigan State, they'll be ranked everywhere. I already have them ranked, but the reason they're not ranked is very simple. Unranked in the preseason, no quality wins today. That's not usually how people well, get in. Listen, this is what this, you know, Patino's got to get used to this because this is going to happen for a while here because they're only two tough non-conference games come on the road. They're at Michigan State and they're at Kentucky. They're going to lose both those games. Their other games are all at home, all to bad teams. I mean, they get Grand Canyon, Eastern Michigan, Kennesaw State, currently 338 in Kempom. Western Kentucky, UMKC, and Utah Valley. Let's just say Louisville's going to win all those because why wouldn't they? Honestly, they should. Uh, at that point, they'll be looking at 11-2, and two, and the only two legitimate teams, I'll say North Florida's a legitimate team, so we'll say they'll have gone 1-2 and two against legitimate teams, but 0-2 oh against uh, big-time opponents that matter, and then they'll enter into the ACC, and that's obviously going to be a slog. So I think you're going to see throughout the season – just and I'll, I'll be right there with and I've enjoyed Louisville and Patino's teams over the years in, in many ways, but I didn't I didn't love what they were about last year, even though they clearly accomplished plenty. And my gosh, they made the elite eight with that roster and that style. But I just am not sold on this team's personnel this year in terms of being a top twenty team. Call me a hater, whatever. Uh, I am going to call you a hater. Call me. I'm fine with that. That's I fine. Mean, but I will say, there's no. They're not. They have not been unranked. Because there is some inherent right. bias. Over no, that's that's Johnson silly. That's just silly talk. That's stupid. No, and I even like it. it I, I was going to say it's frustrating. It's not really frustrating. Whatever. I don't care. But like when a coach says something like that, like the fans, like fans are always looking for something to latch <laughs> onto. Like the, fans think everybody is against their team. Like everybody, like you don't respect their uh, team enough, or you don't respect their program enough, or you don't watch them enough. And so, like, when a coach says that, then, like, fans really latch on to it. So, like, I've had Louisville fans this morning, um, oh, you only have Louisville 25th? 
Why is it you, you focus too much on the scandal? I'm like, what are you even talking about? Like, if you yeah. if you think that I have Syracuse 13th, you know, like I, I clearly don't care about their scandal either. I have SMU 19th. Don't care about their. If you're going to be somebody who gets caught up in, <laughs> in college basketball scandals when it comes to rankings, like who are you going to rank? You know, so like, yeah, seriously, yeah. So like, what are you talking about? It's I'll just, say it's this. Silly. I'll say this with Louisville, the team they remind me of last year is Ohio State's team last year. I mean, just with the way the schedule's shaping up and everything, uh, you have the star freshmen uh, with some older guys intermixed. Um, you know, Ohio State lost both of their games to Louisville and North Carolina in the non-conference, ended up 11-2 and in the non-conference, uh, and then went into the Big Ten and, you know, struggled through it. And like Matt said, it was a slog. Um, I think that you're looking at a similar situation with Louisville this year. Um, I think that they're a solid NCAA tournament team, talent-wise. Uh, like I said, like I'm a little bit more sold than Matt is right now on them, it seems like. And they might even, just like Ohio State did, go to the round of 32. And I think that would be, honestly, a win for them this year, given what's on the so. roster and how much turnover they would have. Um, but yeah, like uh, like I said, I think that those two teams are pretty comparable. Uh, I don't know that the ceiling is super high for this Louisville team necessarily, but I think it's also uh, going to be a fun team to watch throughout the year because they're really athletic. They uh, can shoot the ball a little bit. Uh, and, you know, Rick Pitino is always going to play an attractive brand of defensive basketball, at least. I mean, he's always going to get up and down the floor and press a little bit. I will say this. Um I do believe they are one of the top 25 teams in the country. I have them ranked in the top 25. And so, um, you know, we're speaking. It's a little afternoon Eastern right now on Monday. Um, so the AP and coaches polls haven't come out. If uh, I, I don't know what they'll be ranked, but I do think they, they should be ranked probably. Um, all right. Unless Norlander wants to uh, run through. No, we about, can wrap it up. Because about we'll eight, spend, about no, eight no, random topics all inside of two minutes. Hey, listen, it was I sat around, OK, taking care of a child. Oh, Norlander has to take it. Guess what? That's what fathers do, Norlander. He's going to pull the child card. I'm loving it. No, I'm this guy is already gone. You ready for this? He has already gone from sitting in our meetings uh, in the pre- offseason saying, uh, the child's not going to affect anything. And to, to, talk, to talking, I'm, I'm on, getting at is that to talking on the around. podcast about saying, I've been taking care of a child. Have. My <laughs> point is I've been taking care of a child and watching hoops constantly, okay? And uh, so that's why I just had so much on the brain here that I wanted to get to. That's the hey, whole point. Hey, you got nothing's, hey. nothing's changed, GP. Hey. I'm still here. I'm still rocking it. I'm still grinding it out. Okay, rising and grinding. I've all noticed that. the music that's... podcast has slipped a little bit. No, it's just <laughs> we're going in seasons, man. Season two is uh, is soon underway. Records and risks. Give it a search on iTunes. Rate and review. That's my. I music. listened to a few of them. I really liked the Nirvana one. Yeah. I um, yeah. I listened to the Taylor Swift one because I'm, I'm I'm just sort of fascinated by the Taylor Swift phenomena. Not fascinated. That might be I, that might I be an too. overstatement, but I'm uh, I'm interested in the Taylor Swift phenomenon, and so uh, I enjoyed that one. It is quite, you know it is good. Like smart people talking about music uh, intelligently. Like I enjoy I yeah you know I, I know like uh, 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 you know anytime you start something outside of your um, designated. Uh, uh, expertise yeah, yeah. Uh, people are, are like sort of roll their eyes at you right but it's like good seriously if you're into music you should listen to them that's what that would be my recommendation i'll i'll give a quick bump hashtag uh, they might not have ducks <laughs> yeah and sam Bassini <laughs> also has his own independent music or uh, sports podcast certainly so not a music podcast <laughs> not a music podcast <laughs> but uh you can give that a look as well but yeah no we'll, we'll let's just hit on unc maryland after they play Later this week, because that'll obviously be the the big one. And now UNC, as we've been recording this podcast, has officially announced that, you know, barring any bizarre last-minute setback, Paige is going to play in that game, which is awesome because we get both teams 
practically at uh, at full strength. Obviously, Maryland doesn't have Dion Wiley for the year. No, that, that should be good. All right, so uh, let's let's get out of here so Norlander can go take care of a baby. <laughs> That's right, baby. And my my <laughs> beautiful wife has been uh, so patient and kind as I record this podcast. I'll try and get him next to me for later in the week, and maybe he'll make another brief appearance. I hey, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Remember, you can subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the quickest way to get you uh, get the latest episodes. So uh, make sure you do that. Make sure you never miss anything. And uh, either way, what we're going to do is talk to you again later on this week, probably after uh, the ACC Big Ten Challenge is completed. Till then, take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>